With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my sports in one app, like the National Women's Soccer League, included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it Whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. Uh, Miller Lite, great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. And as always, please celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Once again, it's Geico Easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave. Deontay Wilder claims that he wasn't the same person once he got into the ring because his uniform was very heavy. He had no legs. This is Dan Patrick. Now, if you don't get hit in the face, you don't have to worry if your legs are in good shape. <laughs> Welcome to the program, final hour on this Wednesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show, still a Danette down. Fritz, he is out for today. We hope to have him back tomorrow. Although we're debating that because he's still got remnants of whatever kind of illness he has. And I'd rather not have him in the building tomorrow. Do you guys want to take a vote and we can pass this on to Fritzy? Yeah, Paul. This is tough because I goof on people for calling in sick. Yeah. But... In this case. I also don't. McLovin is in direct line of fire back there of the virus uh, window, the virus circumference. Yeah, this is a Fritzy virus, not a coronavirus. It's the Fritzy virus. Yes, McLovin. He should pull Steph Curry and sit the rest of the week. Wow. For the good of the team. Okay. I, I do not want to get sick. There's nothing. He's got well, nobody fever. Who wants to get sick? So why, does, why, do even, why would anyone want him in here? Well, he's a gamer, and he wants to come back. Is he? No, he's not. Oh. But he wants to come back, and I understand that. He, he wants to be, like, who wouldn't want to come in to this place every who single time? Who wouldn't want to come yeah, here? Who wouldn't want to be here? Yeah. <laughs> right? 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 Let's have a vote. Who thinks Fritzy should be able to come back tomorrow if help? 
Holly says yes. We we basically sit here motionless talking sports for a living. But you know that he coughs on everybody. Right. And he coughs on McLovin. I'll buy one of those surgical masks for him. I'll double, I'll d- double down. Do you guys want to wear a surgical mask tomorrow? Yes, you if, Okay, if Todd comes into work tomorrow, then we get sur- surgical masks and gloves. Okay. And bratwurst. I just want to up the yeah, deal. And we want food. It's negotiating time. <laughs> wait, wait. What is this, a, a hostage situation? It's like yeah. the NFLPA. Let's grab something here. All right. How about I'll give you paella? Okay. We'd like 48.5% of the paella. Okay. Nice, Dean. Is that good enough, though? <laughs> that might not be good enough, according to uh, some of these players. In case you're uh, just joining us, Russell Wilson said uh, no. He's not in favor of the collective bargaining agreement. J.J. Watt did this last week. Speaking of J.J. Watt, every NFL draft or any uh, every NFL uh, Super Bowl, that week we bring players in, and then I get their draft profile. And mostly the comments that we give them are negative. But, but these are comments that were actually made leading up to the draft for some of the biggest names in the sports. And J.J. Watt came on. Now, we... Drew Brees famously wanted to have his, he was angry. He wanted to keep it in his locker. He said, can I have that? After he read his draft profile. J.J. Watt came in, and then we had him read his draft profile. And this was at the San Francisco Super Bowl. So all of a sudden, I see this Instagram from J.J. Watt, and it's a message to those who are going to be drafted. And this is what J.J. Watt put on his Instagram. Now, there's video attached to this, which we can't show the combine clips. Uh, the NFL won't allow us to do that. But uh, here is J.J. Watt in his own words with his draft profile. These were actual scouts who wrote this about you. Read your profile, J.J. Watt. Won't consistently get to the edge on tackles with his get-off or quickness. Lacks some lateral mobility, both rushing the passer and playing in space. And Watt has a down for a sack. J.J. does it. He needs to gain some more weight to fill out and to continue to learn how to use his hands effectively. He does it again. His third touchdown reception of the season. He won't ever be a stud pass rusher. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's uh, J.J. Watt with his uh, draft profile there. He got emotional a little bit. He got upset about it, you know, because these guys, it never leaves them because it's the biggest moment of their life, at, you know, leading up to that draft. And then all of a sudden they start to pick you apart. And there's nothing you can do. There's no games you can play in that moment. These are all all-time greats that we're talking about. And they get bothered by this. You know, Aaron Rodgers, like, we've had them read their draft profiles, and you can just see it brings them back to that day or that time leading up to the draft where somebody who, according to the players, will say, somebody who never played the game is going to tell me that I can't do something. J.J. Watt, never be a great pass rusher. Okay. But, you know, we collect these every year. And we'll do the same thing with next year, leading up to the draft or somebody's draft profile. We'll be doing that with, Chase Young or Joe Burrow, Tua Tonga Vailoa. Yeah, McLovin. You know, we're friends with the guy who writes these capsules now. He started like four years ago. And he's always like, you never read the positive. <laughs> we don't want that. It's not good radio. We, we want the negatives with these guys. You know, starting the draft, though, we kind of rip the uh, the announcers in NBA and NFL. They never have anything negative to say, though. Like, they show these highlights where the guy's killing the quarterback every time. 
it's hard you, during the actual draft, the night of. It's a it's a love fest. Oh yeah, I, but I, I when I hosted the draft for ESPN, and I remember when we were the day before, we're in a room, a conference room, and we're just kind of going around talking about you know some of these prospects. And I said, but we there's there has to be an honest opinion towards the, these prospects because not everybody's going to work out. We know that. But you have to be honest where you say, here's the question I have. These are the questions that I have here. That, that I think, is really important. And I think for, you know, the validity of, of the analyst who's saying this, what are your concerns? Because you could have, you know, these guys, and you go, this guy is awesome. Pick and roll, he's wonderful. He's got great range. He's a great leader. Oh, he's got a great handle. There's, there, not everybody's that good. And that's where you, and I said you have to have authenticity where you say, I got some doubts about him. And to get them to say that, and then the commissioner, David Stern at the time, said that we had pithy comments. You, uh, you guys in your pithy comments on ESPN. Well, they, they're, I'm not here to be a cheerleader. Our job is to analyze a draft pick for a team. If I'm a fan of that team, I want to know what am I getting here. Not you, you're going to tell me all the great things. The highlights we're going to show you are all they're called highlights, not lowlights. And you think everybody is great. You want to know what is the honest opinion going into the draft. The analysts are so concerned now with social media and this coming back to haunt them that it's played and replayed and brought back. And I understand that, but your job in the moment is to be an analyst. And if you've done your homework, then you just give an honest opinion and you live with that. Yeah, Paul. And I think my favorite and a lot of our favorite analysts are the ones who can give a little criticism without going overboard the other way. Troy Aikman is quite critical during games of different people, players, plays, but he doesn't go overboard like this guy should be fired. And, you know, Romo could be a little critical. John Gruden, I always thought was fun and entertaining. But he was—he never criticized. He, he loved every. I love this yeah. guy. This guy, I but, love. But you know, John Smoltz is great because he'll be like, "This is the wrong decision here they're making," and he'll be honest about it because he's not—he's not worried about his next paycheck. But that's different. A wrong decision is different than criticizing a player. Yes, because you can say they—they uh, they should be doing the hit and run here. They should be, you know, looking for, uh, you know, a, a, a pitch out. You know, it's just something that if you're talking strategy, you can criticize strategy, and, and that doesn't come back to haunt you. But if you say you know, this guy, I just don't think that he's going to be a great player. They may think he's going to be, but I just don't see that. You know, my big concern is he still can't hit the breaking ball. Okay. To me, you're just being honest in what you see. And I think it goes back to Mel Kuyper saying he did not know what the Colts were doing on draft day. He said it in real time. He didn't think they knew what they were doing. And it stayed with Mel, but Mel was right when – Bill Polian is, or the Chicago Bear, was it Bill Tobin who called out Mel? Like they're, I thought it was Polian. It was the, the Dilper draft. Yeah. And there's the uh, Trey, uh, Trev Alberts was involved in that yeah. draft. And, yeah. And they, they went with Trev Alberts over going for Dilper. Maybe Tobin also said something about Mel, but Mel's job is, is Bill for Tobin. us. Is it Bill Tobin? Who the heck, who the heck is? Yeah, who the Mel heck Kuyper. is Mel Kuyper? Mel's job is to serve us as the audience. Not these NFL executives. His job is to look at tape and tell me what he sees. And that's that's what I love about that. I, I want to have that. I, I, I want to have that honest opinion, or at least what I think is an honest opinion. Not everybody is great. 
But when you watch these drafts, it feels like everybody's great. Yeah, Paul. You know, if you go back to it, I watched the drafts before and after that. That was the first time the draft was entertaining. That's the first time it had heat. Mel Kuyper was you know, just churning out takes on different people. But you had a guy on live TV calling him out, and Mel's sitting there listening to him. Yeah. They're on the screen, split screens together. That's that, good TV. That was the first time the draft got hot. Yeah, but that's what I want. I want somebody who I think is not serving the owners or a GM or a scout or a coach that he's just being honest in real time assessing a draft pick. Yeah, McClellan. You, you know, the story you told about Stern, it feels like the leagues, especially with ESPN and NFL, lean on them to keep it a certain way. Feels like, I mean, I don't think that's a hot take. Well, that might be, on ESPN. You notice I didn't do the draft the following year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe that had something to do with it, with my pithy comments there. I got to tell you, my friend, my old friend, Dr. Z, who passed away, he got fired mid-draft for being overly critical. The NFL stepped in and told, told ESPN <laughs> that you have to take him off. He said every player in the next 20 years will be on steroids, and they took him off mid-draft. It's a famous story. Yeah, but he also wrote a profile on Tony Mandrich. And didn't say anything about steroids with Tony Mandridge. Yeah. So Dr. Z famously whiffed on the most famous steroid product that we probably had in NFL history. He also got fired by NBC mid-game one. He got taken <laughs> off the second half. You remember him. He was as hot-headed as a, oh, a reporter I forgot. I know. I love Dr. Z was one of those get-off-my-lawn. I think he was get-off-my-lawn-before-you-got-old-enough-to-be-a-get-off-my-lawn kind of guy. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, tp at danpatrick.com. Will we have the Olympics this year, this summer, in Tokyo with the coronavirus? Mike Tarico, host of the Olympics for NBC Sports, will join us coming up. Uh, Jake in Oregon joins us now. Hi, Jake. What do you have for me? Hey, Dan. 5'11", 160. Hey, I wanted to know your opinion on the Chicago Bulls. I saw McLovin tweeted something out about them last night. Uh, I'm curious which organization is more of a dumpster fire, the New York Knicks or the Bulls? The Knicks. Thanks, yeah, the Knicks. Thank you, Jake. Um, you know, the Bulls seem misguided. I don't think I don't know if those players like their coach. Uh, you know, John Paxson, that front office hasn't done a great job. You know, Zach Levine, I don't know if Zach Levine was angry last night at his coach, but at one point he looks up at the scoreboard and he goes, I got 40 effing points. And I don't know who he's yelling at, but I, I don't know. Like, Laurie Markkinen, I like that draft pick. I thought that that was you know, going to work out and be a, a nice steal for them. Uh, Cody White had uh, Kobe White had uh, 30 again off the bench. Yeah, it's like I've got a record for that. By the way, Cody White is a funeral home in Milford, Connecticut. So I gave you a funeral home, Cody White, not Kobe. Close enough. Yeah, it is. Both can kill you. Oh, no, one you're already dead, and the other one. But Kobe, uh, coming off the bench, has had 30 points, I think, in three consecutive games, something like that in the club, yes. Yeah, I was telling you about the star power of Zach Levine. I feel like the NBA is wasting him because he's like an in-game dunk contest. Yeah, but I don't know if he's a star. I mean, he's going to get – he could score 25. I know, but who cares? He's pretty awesome to watch. He's very efficient. You know what? Nothing makes me want to tune in more than seeing an efficient player. Did he had like a live 360. I mean, he does like such acrobatic stuff, and nobody ever watches it. He's yeah. on the Bulls. I yeah, know. But the Knicks are, you know, Knicks are the winner. Clear-cut winner. Bad franchise. Worst franchise. Yeah, Paul. The kid White from the Bulls, he kind of has a little bit of a, uh, uh, well, a long way to go Steve Nash to him. He runs around 1,000 miles an hour the entire game. It's pretty entertaining. Like, he just keeps moving and moving and moving. But he doesn't even start. No, I know. He's up and down. 
Yeah. But it's early. Yeah. Yes, McLeod. That's funny. When we're playing pickup and somebody dribbles underneath the basket and doesn't shoot, we call that the Steve Nash. Is he the, the first guy who ever did that? You know, drives into the lane and doesn't take the layup? I don't know. I was wondering about that when you guys were talking about, oh, he's pulling a Steve Nash. And I went, but he didn't do anything. He just went underneath the hoop and then came back down the other side or looked to pass. Well, that's why Steve Nash was a two-time MVP because he could do something cool. But it was uh, usually when you drive to the hole, you have to shoot a layup. But he kind of turned that on its head. Who was the first that did the skip pass too? Because I remember when when I was in high school when I play, like you you'd never throw a cross court ever throw a cross court. Now it feels like you don't throw it to the guys at the top of the key. You throw it to the guy at the opposite wing there. Like there's so many, and I don't know who created this, but there are so many that you just go that that goes that defies logic with the traditional basketball coaching. Yeah, the club. The skip pass, like that long pass where you – you talking about when Magic would throw it down? No, 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 no. I'd like Maravich. This is is, if I'm on one wing okay. and I throw to the other wing, that, oh. just across court. Your high school coach would kill you. Oh, might be out in a second. Be out in a second. But, you know, now all the things that you were told you can't do, that we did do on the playground, you can't do it now. Or you can do it now because it would be like, oh, you can't uh, – uh, that's carrying the ball. Nobody gets called for carrying anymore. Childress last night with Wake Forest hits that big shot top of the key, carries the ball right before he gets there. I go, we that would be called in a second. Be, just go the other way. That's carrying. You know, Danny, what's the rule? You can't throw it cross court. You know what I just sit over here. And you'd be like, all right. You can't shoot outside. You can't shoot from 22 feet out. you got to get the ball inside to the big man. But, Coach, I'm the tallest guy on the floor. But that doesn't matter. You get it into our big man, who's 6'2". Yeah, Paul. Jordan's shot as a freshman to be, uh, win the title was a skip pass. It was from the other end of the other side of the court. Mm. It went past. He kind of faded off into the corner there. Mm. I don't know if that's the first one, but that's a good one. Patrick in North Carolina. Hi, Patrick. What do you have for me today? Hey, fellas. I'll get straight to my question here. Uh, I read an article about uh, the new coach Carolina, uh, Matt Rule, and he hasn't ruled out taking possibly a quarterback in the first round. And I was just looking at all the quarterbacks. Of course, the top three are going to be gone here soon, going to be gone quick. I was wondering, I want to get your intake on maybe taking Jalen Hurts, number seven, the first round at Carolina, and I'll hang up and listen to your response. Thank you. Uh, Patrick, no, that wouldn't be a smart decision. Jalen Hurts, a wonderful college career, but he wouldn't be the guy who would take in the top ten. If I can get somebody that I really like, then I would look at trading Cam Newton. And you're rebuilding. I, I don't want to rebuild with Cam Newton. Yeah, McClellan. No interest in NC State product Phillip Rivers there coming back to Carolina? No, no, no. No reason to? No, no, no. no I'm rebuilding. Why I, Why do I want Phillip Rivers? You got McCaffrey. Yeah. You're rebuilding. According to McCaffrey, his team is rebuilding. Now, maybe Matt Rule thinks different. I, I just don't know. I hope Cam Newton is able to play like Cam Newton. I hope so. But, you know, just because they gave him a vote of confidence yesterday doesn't mean that he's going to be their starting quarterback. We'll take a break. Mike Tirico will join us, the host of the Olympics on NBC. Will there be Olympics coming up this summer with that coronavirus? We'll talk to Mike coming up. Your phone calls as well. It's 18 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. 
your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Once again, it's Geico Easy. Visit Geico.com today. Geico.com. Mike Tirico on loan from NBC Sports will join us. McLovin has a quarterback poll question. Well, let me decide if it's a quarterback poll okay, question. Okay, we've been putting this together over here on the side of the glass. Uh, you asked Daniel Jeremiah the same question. If these quarterbacks were in this draft, who would you take? Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow. Did we put Tua in there? I don't Tua. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's anyone else. Daniel Jones went to six. And Daniel Jeremiah said he would take Kyler Murray. Yeah, I was right? surprised. I yeah, I was, was too. Burrow. Yeah, I was too. Um, Kyler Murray had a, a sneaky good season last year. You know, he went to a really bad team. And he, he held his own. Uh, boy, if they're all coming out now. Baker took a dip. I think he said Kyler would go one, Burrow two, Baker three. And he said you, you can flip-flop Burrow and uh, Kyler. If Tua was healthy, I wonder where he would be in this mix. But feels like Tua would be four, and maybe Justin Herbert would be five. Yeah, Paul. Kyler Murray's stats, all his rookie year stats were over the prop bets. Like, I think it was... 3,000 yards, he had 3,700. 17 and a half touchdowns, he had 20 touchdowns. So he went over all the expected stats for him by the Vegas experts. Yeah, I and once again, you had to kind of seek him out because Arizona wasn't playing in prime time, and they were playing, you know, a 4 o'clock game up against a really big game, and they were usually losing. But I thought Kyler Murray did a really good job, you know, considering all the hype surrounding him, weren't sure if he's going to play baseball or not, and – you know, and he and he became a pretty good pocket passer as well. He ran enough to keep you honest, but he became a pretty good pocket passer. But uh, I, I'm, I was surprised Daniel Jeremiah said that. Joe Burrow, it feels like, checks more of the boxes of, of what you want in a quarterback. He's got the height. Uh, and Daniel Jeremiah talked about his field vision, which – uh, one other scout had told me, you know, that that ability to throw people open is what you need in the next level because your his wide receivers in college were open already. You have to throw your receiver open. Yes, McLovin. If this was asked after Baker's rookie season, where would Baker go? Baker would go. Be, well, we didn't know about Kyler, so I yeah. I no, no. Hypothetically, if you knew what you saw, I mean, I think he'd go one. Right? He was the if, hottest. If best Baker had ever. his rookie season last year, last year was his rookie season then you'd probably have Joe Burrow, Baker, uh, maybe Kyler. I'm guessing. I just, we just don't know about Tua and his health. 
Mike Tirico, speaking of health, the NBC Football Night in America host, Notre Dame, play-by-play, hosts the Olympics. He does everything for the network. Big shot, Mike Tirico joining us on the program. Mike, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to join this little program. Which which Danette has the largest hand size? McLovin. Has that, has, has that measurement happened yet on the show? It has. Yeah, oh, we, okay, okay. Yeah, just, yes, but that doesn't mean he can play. I see. I see. I, I understand. Just being in Indianapolis, just just for a day, uh, that, I think that's the, the. These are all the very important questions as everybody walks around. The, what, what did he run? What did he measure? It's, it, it, it is kind of a, a bizarre, a bizarre way to, to evaluate who your future employees are going to be. Can kind of do it collectively with thirty-one other folks uh, at the same time. This whole combine thing is uh, is unique, and it, it look. It keeps the NFL in season for every season. I mean, here, here we are, a month removed from the end of the – not even a month removed. We're five five months away from seeing games again, and we're talking about all these guys and project them. It, it's, a, it's a PR win for sure. Well, we had Daniel Jeremiah on last hour. Mm-hmm. He's a scout or former scout, and I said, Daniel, we're so concerned about the quarterbacks. Shouldn't we find out what the wide receiver's hand size is? Because they have to catch <laughs> yeah. They have to catch the ball. And no, I don't know what Jerry Rice's hand size was. Right. But I'm going to guess it was pretty good because he seemed to catch everything thrown his way. Yeah, hand catcher, body catcher, all, 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 those, all those things come up. I, 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 think, I think what's happened here is everyone tries to find the new edge because everyone is going after the same stuff. And really what's happening, almost as much as the assessment of the future talent in terms of the measurements, the interviews, all the basic combine stuff, which has value. I, I say this all tongue-in-cheek. I think what this has really become is the coaches, the GMs, having these conversations with the agents to prepare for what free agency is going to look like. Because you can't look at free agency and the draft as separate. You have to look at them together to figure out with your salary cap and your team back home how it's all going to fit. Which of your guys are going to resign? I just talked to a GM who was talking about you know, we have to get an assessment of how many of our guys can we keep. Our coaching staff would love to keep a certain number, but we can't. So you've got to balance that. And then when you know, okay, we may lose this linebacker, this safety, where in the draft can we find somebody who can be a person we could plug in and place there? So it's a huge mosaic that this is the time of the year for the GMs to really earn their money to try to figure out all this stuff and end up with 53 guys you're going to camp with thinking you can get to the Super Bowl. Speaking of mosaic, this 17-game schedule, that 17th game, how do you right. think the networks are, or you know, the schedule makers are going to approach this? Of where, where does that seventeenth game live on the road, at home, neutral site? Well, you know, I'd heard a lot of the folks talking neutral site uh, for all of them, for everyone's seventeenth game. To me, and I have not heard this specifically. To me, it seems like it would just alternate. Where one year you'd have nine home games, one year you'd have eight road games. Because if you go to three preseasons and 17 regular seasons, Dan, then you get to 20 games, right? 20 becomes 10 at home, 10 on the road. So in the years that you're going to play nine home games, you get one home preseason game. The years that you play eight road games, you get two uh, – eight, eight home games, excuse me, you get two preseason games at home. Why? In either scenario, you get 10 games to sell for your season tickets. So the number of season tickets you're selling on a year-to-year basis becomes the same. And then you siphon off on a rotating basis, one game for playing in London or one game for playing in Mexico City. I don't think we're going to see 16 international games to take up that 17th game for each team 
uh, you know, which would which would do the math and, and get you to that final number. So I, I think it'll be nine home home games for your team, eight road, and then it flips the next year. Yeah, I was wondering about that. That I would love to have neutral sites where you went to college towns mm-hmm. and, and gave them an opportunity to experience the NFL. Uh, yeah, I don't like if you went to Lincoln, Nebraska, or you went to Auburn, Alabama, whatever it is, right. just just to have that spectacle and you got a whole different environment. Uh, I think that would be fun. I don't I don't want to export our sport here. I know Mexico City and they want to grow the game and maybe Germany mm-hmm. and London, but I'd like to keep as much in the United States as possible. But but what about let, let, let's say let's say we do that and you know you move a Bengals game to the shoe or you move a Lions game to the big house in Ann Arbor against the Packers stuff it all it all sounds really cool. Is there the infrastructure there from X-ray facilities, replay machines, all the infrastructure of the NFL? Every field is going to have to be remarked, right? Because the hash marks are different. Mike, all, don't be a buzzkill. You're being a buzzkill. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, Dan, it's a great idea. Let's do it. All right. Thank you, Mike. That's we're talking okay. to Mike Trico <laughs> from NBC Sports. All right. What is the deadline date, whether or not we decide to have these Olympics in Tokyo? What have you been told? Yeah, but I, we haven't been told anything specifically uh, just yet. Dick Pound, who's from the uh, IOC, he's the longest tenured member of the International Olympic Committee, even even longer than Tomas Bach, who's the head of the IOC right now. Uh, his interview with the Associated Press yesterday you know, got a lot of attention because he pointed to a date somewhere in mid to late May, almost like the date where the ball would have to start rolling downhill to be prepared to open the games uh, in that third full week of July in, in Tokyo, just the infrastructure of getting all the building and everything going in place. Uh, Tokyo is, by and large, in place to host the games now with all the structures and things like that. So the headline was, hey, if uh, it may be a three-month window to know if the games are going to be on or not. What he also did say within that was, right now, it seems like things will happen on time. Uh, I just don't think anybody knows where this coronavirus is going to go. I mean, we, we heard Monday in the U.S. from the CDC their concern about, hey, we should be planning for being out of school for a while, mm. telecommuting, all that stuff. So I don't think we have any idea at home. So obviously what's happening in every country is going to have a huge impact on if the Olympics are here. So to say that there's an answer now would be crazy. But I think Dick Pound, who knows this thing uh, and was maybe not speaking for the whole IOC, but was speaking as a member, has been around for a long time, gave you a good sense of a window where you'd have to put up a red flag if you couldn't go through with it. How much research have you done on the coronavirus? On the coronavirus, um, not as much as I've done on the on the athletes that uh, that we hope to see in Tokyo. So, but certainly, as you as you hear about it, uh, you understand that they don't know everything just yet. They don't know how it's being communicated, person to person, place to place. Uh, why these locations where it shows up, it's showing up and spreading quickly. So, I think we have so many questions. Like, oh, I got on a plane yesterday. And I'm already one of those people who wipes down the, the hand rest and the tray table and all that stuff to begin with. But I noticed many, many more people doing that than normal on the plane. So I think it's starting to get on our conscience as Americans now of hey, we have no idea who's been on this plane, where it's been, and where it's going. So I think it's going to impact all of us in how we operate until we know more answers about it. I wanted to have you on for a variety of reasons, obviously the Olympics and uh all those years that you've covered the NBA, I was just curious, did you have a favorite Kobe Bryant story? Um, dozens. Uh, 
I, I guess the one that jumps out was the night before his last game uh, when, you know, he, he had not been playing much towards the end uh, in terms of minutes, but ramped it up towards the end. And we didn't, we didn't think he had a ton of minutes in him. And he ends up taking 50 shots and scoring 60 points. Uh, but also, I like, think you and Hubie were talking about we've been told that he's going to play a certain number of minutes, yeah. or right? I, I, I remember that. And, and, you know, he just stayed in there. Like you were going, we don't know how long he's going to play, a certain number of minutes or points, and uh, next thing you know, he's uh, exactly. staying out there. And, and that, that came from the pregame meeting. So, as you know, Dan, from the times that we all were working NBA and finals and different things like that, Sometimes you get a player who will come in more after a morning shoot-around. Uh, rarely, we, but you might get a player, you know, in that hour and a half before tip. The locker rooms are always open, but it's always hard to find the star guy in the locker room, right? Uh, but for Kobe's last game, we got Kobe for several minutes pregame. Just me, Hubie Brown, Lisa Salters was our sideline reporter. Ed Fibershop was our producer for that game. And Kobe gave us like 15, 20 minutes. It was just really good it was the ultimate respect that so many people around the league have for hubie brown uh and it was a, just a great great conversation and we left there knowing he was going to give it as much as he had but never thinking for a second that he had 50 shots or 60 points not, not even close and it's uh <laughs> it, when they re-aired the game the night after kobe passed uh, i was standing there i was in a hotel in connecticut i was just standing there watching the game and i realized about 25 minutes later that I was frozen standing watching the game. I did the game. It wasn't like I was watching how we called the game. It just took me back to how incredible that evening was for a terrible Lakers team. Uh, it looked like it was an atmosphere for the finals, and you just kind of pinch yourself because you never thought you'd be watching it through that prism uh, just a short time later. And I, uh, the, that show that Monday after Kobe died, I, I said, you know, it's going to sound strange to this audience, but the one word that always stood out with Kobe was he was curious. He's the most curious athlete yeah, I've yeah. ever been around. There, No matter what you were talking about, like he wanted to learn, if he didn't know that he wanted to learn, and if he did learn, he wanted to learn to be better. And I, I that was, always impressed me, but I think his approach was, whether it was being a father, being a husband, uh, being an entrepreneur, being a basketball player, the curiosity is what he was trying to figure out. How do I be great at everything, whether it was basketball or not? And I just I found that fascinating. I, I, I have not come across somebody that curious in, you know, 35 years. People always ask, Dan, oh, hey, when you go talk to players, you do these production meetings we often talk about in network TV sports. Uh, who are the guys you enjoy talking to the most? And I say, look, I hate to be boring, but Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and Kobe Bryant, and players like that who are the best players because there's an intellectual, as you said so well, like an intellectual fascination and curiosity to go with their athletic brilliance, that the, the triangulation of those two things plus opportunity yield the greatest players in sports. It doesn't just happen. They have thought about every aspect of it. When you talk to LeBron, there was a post-game interview on ESPN, I think it was, this week after LeBron hit the shot, maybe in the Lakers Celtic game on Sunday. You know, LeBron gives you that detail about, you're like, oh, he didn't just back him down and take a shot? No. They've thought about this. They, they live it every second. And when they share that with you in those settings, you kind of understand why the greats are the great. If I said you could, and you could have Luka Doncic's stock or Zion Williamson's stock moving on. <sighs> um Luca, because I think he makes the guys around you better, but 
after seeing Zion in this small sample, we've seen more of Doncic than Zion. Um, man, you're, he's going to give you so much attention that you're going to get a lot of open shots. You're going to get a lot of transition stuff. Uh, I I didn't think, given how how long he was out, that he'd jump in and have this kind of impact. I remember watching that first game. I watched Dave Pash call that game. Like, ah. Okay, this was all hype. This isn't. And then he scored all those points in a row in the fourth quarter before he had to come out with his time limit. Go, all right, let's see him do it again. And now we've seen him do it <laughs> on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. You're like, wow. And it's good. Each TV guy, that's what the league's been missing this year. You know, you wanted to go watch Steph you know, hit nine threes or play. And he's been there this year, uh, and not in as much volume. And now you've got another person who gives you that, and I think that will give a bounce back to the league's race as we go through the rest of the season. Good to talk to you, Bud. Uh, hope to talk to you before you uh, head to the Olympics, but uh, thanks for joining us as always. Anytime, pal. Hi to the guys. Talk That's to you. Uh, Mike Tirico, NBC Sports. Uh, that uh, May deadline of are you going to be able to go to, uh, to Tokyo, that's going to be interesting. Because, you know, you, you have to worry about this as an employee. You know, the athletes you're going to send over there. I mean, there's there's a whole lot at stake of going over there and what precautions are going to be taken. And then, you know, what is it going to be like in three months here in the United States with the coronavirus? You've already got soccer matches in northern Italy that are going to be played behind closed doors. No fans. Juventus is going to be playing. And uh, there, there's not going to be any fans in there. I don't know. How fast it's spreading, but feels like uh, the Olympics are in jeopardy. Yeah, McLovin. We had a camera guy who was signed up uh, talking about it the other day, having a rare, very real decision ahead of him in the next few months. He's blocked off for like a month of work. Yeah. It's a lot of money for that. Yes, it is. It. Yeah, that's a big deal. All right, we'll take a break. This uh, story about Gardner Minshew is unbelievable. It like, at least it was unbelievable when I first heard it, and I go, it can't be true. And then we had a second source, and it's true. We'll have that for you coming up right after this. I'm feeling great. We got cats in the house tonight. Yes, we do, man. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. Titans in here. You're about to go off, dude. We ready to do this stuff? We're ready to rock, man. We ready to rock, Camera guys. Ready to roll. Mike, you ready? Ready. This is Free to Hot Box and exclusively available in Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com. Clicking on the Support This Podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and, of course, supporting. And now, back to the show. Last call for phone calls. This day in sports history, have that for you coming up here. I remember hearing this story, and I thought, okay, Gardner Minshew, he, of course, played at Washington State, and he went with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he was a pleasant surprise for them. Addressing reporters on Tuesday, the uh, backup quarterback to Gardner Minshew, Anthony Gordon, who became the starter, said that, uh, and Gordon confirmed the story about Gardner Minshew, he once tried to break his own hand with a hammer 
in attempt to secure a medical red shirt. So the quarterback at Washington State, Gordon, said that uh, his favorite story is that about Gardner Minshew. So he tries to break his own hand with a hammer so he could get a medical uh, red shirt. I don't. Why was he trying to break his hand? Was this when he got to Washington State? Like, at what point did he go, I've got to break my, I'm assuming it's his left hand he was trying to break, not his right hand. And how did he not break his hand if he had a hammer? I got questions. This added more questions, not answers here. You Do you understand this, McLovin? I mean, I guess I understand people get desperate to do that redshirt thing, but that sounds horrible. Well, he was a graduate transfer, and then he was the uh, Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, and then he went to Jacksonville. Did he try to break his hand when he got to Washington State? Or maybe... So he wanted to buy one more year because he probably didn't get the starting gig somewhere? Well, he wasn't going to start in Alabama. They were going to have him as a backup. Right. So he's a guard, He's a graduate transfer, unless he didn't think he was going to start when he got to Washington State and wanted another year and he was going to break his hand. Right. That make, that Believe it or not, makes sense. SEC, they do this every day. Well, they don't break their hands. Sure they do. To get another year of college football? <laughs> I would. I don't know if there's anybody on record who's broken their hand to play another year. I could understand it, but I don't. I don't think so. But that's a that's a pretty good story. Uh, LeBron James getting forty last night. Uh, that is so. That's sixteen years he's had at least one forty point game. That ties him with uh, Kobe. Next on the list, Kareem, then Michael Jordan, and Carl uh, Malone. Get some phone calls in here. Jim in Georgia joins us. Hi, Jim. What do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. Hey, Jim. Six ten three hundred. Right. Long time listener. Uh, first of all, props to the Danettes, self-control on, on uh, Tariko's mention of Dick Pound. Uh, yeah, well, you didn't see their faces, though, I don't think, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm wondering about um, the best young lineup in the NBA. Who, who you got? I'd love for you to talk about my Hawks a little bit, even though we have the uh, Vince Carter factor in the age of our roster. Um, it feels like you guys are farther along than your record would indicate. Thanks for the phone call, Jim. I think Memphis has the best young roster in the NBA. I know that uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. the third is out for a couple of weeks uh, with an injured knee, but that that's a young team. I think everybody's under 25 there. And I, I, I'd probably go with Memphis there. I'd have to do a little more research on it, but by first glance, uh, I, w- I would say Memphis in there. Yeah, as soon as Mike Tirico mentioned uh, Dick Pound, I saw Paulie look at Seton, Seton look at Paulie, and I went, no, we're not, we're not going there. It's never not funny. No, you're right. We only get to make that joke every couple of years. I know. So. When it comes to the Olympics. Yeah. No, you're right. Who's the guy who used to be in charge of FIFA? Sepp Blatter? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as funny, but. No, 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 no. Funny, but not as funny as Dick Pound. Or Dick Trickle. This day in sports history, Paulie, what do you have for me? So his parents were in the hospital, and their his last name's Pound, and they go, there's all the list of names, Mike Pound, Steve Pound. Well, there's no other names? There's got, there, there's got to be 40 other names you're going to give a, a kid named Pound. Well, there's probably 100. Sure, that's what I'm saying. Well, it's funny because his maybe his first his first name might actually be Richard, but he chooses to be called Dick. Well, but you're, that's a setup by the parents. You can't even go down that route. Just go Rich. Go Rick. Yeah, you, you name him Michael and move on with your life. Okay, but what's worse, Dick Pound or Dick Trickle? Trickle. Yes. Yes. At least you give pause to Dick Pound. 
Dick Trickle, no. You go, oh, my God. And it's the late NASCAR driver, Dick Trickle. Yes. His okay. full name is Richard William Duncan Pound, but you can call me Dick. <laughs> what? Go to R.W. Pound. It sounds cool. R.W. Pound. It sounds like an author. I go middle name. I go yeah, call Bill, me Bill. Billy Pound. My friends call me Dunk. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, just call me Dick. I, what his parents think? Not many kids are called that anymore. Have you noticed that? Uh, hello. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. A, like Harry and Dick are not names that are probably on the uh, must-use list anymore. All right, uh, this day in sports history. <laughs> you know, it's an odd one. Is that Paul gets called Dick all the time? <laughs> he does. And his name isn't. <laughs> well, it's Paul. It's Paul. That's not my middle name. I hear people yelling at me all the time. You know, there isn't a Richard even close. Yeah. Right. You call him a dick all the time. You know, my, my name is, is Paul. It's not Dick. <laughs> hey, Dick. That's Paul Paps. Paul yeah. Edward Paps. In the middle of names ever. I know. Well, you have to excuse us around here when we call you that. I thought it was a nickname. All right. Babe Ruth in 1935 was released by the I New York. Your, it was Wada. Like your name is Wada. Complete. I'm very complete. That's my first name. Yeah. Wada complete. Wada. A total. Yeah. What a total. It's all yeah. about head. All right. Babe Ruth was released by the New York Yankees and signed by the Boston Braves in 1935. 1987, Michael Ooh. Jordan scores 58 points, the most ever by a Chicago player at that point as his third year in the league. And uh, 2009, The Simpsons became the longest-running TV show in American history. 2009, it's 11 years later, still going. Unbelievable. McLovin, final results of the poll question. Okay, if you could have these quarterbacks, uh, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, or Joe Burrow, who would you take number one? Joe Burrow edges out the uh, Kyler. Okay. What did you learn today? I learned that Joe Burrow edged out Kyle. Oh, please stop this. Give it some. Tariko sounded somewhat optimistic that the Olympics won't be okay. delayed by coronavirus. See, no Connor. Richard Pound. Yes. Paulie. Dick Pound's parents. I'm still looking for him. What did I learn, McLovin? You learned that uh, Daniel Jeremiah would have taken Joe Burrow over a healthy Tua. What we learned. Nice poll there. What we learned brought to you by LegalZoom. Need to make it legal? Make it LegalZoom.com. Take care of your business today under the promo code Patrick. In the box at checkout, LegalZoom, where life meets legal. You need to make it legal. Make it LegalZoom.com. Continue to pray for Fritzy that he doesn't come into work tomorrow. Thank you. Podcast One has some exciting news. It's official. Our shows are now available on Spotify. And it's free. We want to make it super easy for you and your friends to listen to our podcasts. And joining Spotify allows us to be in even more places for fans to find us. If you're already listening to music on Spotify, you can now listen to our podcasts in the same place. If you're not on Spotify yet, all you have to do is download the free app. That's right. No credit card necessary. And simply search for our shows to start listening. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. 
Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.